I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff. Hi, Toddy. Venomous Vinny. Good to be with you again, folks. Coming back to an old familiar format that all of you know and hopefully enjoy. Talking about the Monster Mash. Talking it up on a Monster Mash talk show. We really nailed that. (laughs) I missed the memo. Synchronicity, (laughs) friends. Um, So... Thanks for listening. Hey, good, good. <laughs> we had a good run. Thanks for stopping by. Um, let's go around and say what we picked and why, Professor. I picked from beyond, uh, just for as much as people love Reanimator. Uh, I feel like this is a another one that needs to be explored for fans of that, and it's just a classic '80s horror movie, one that we hadn't gotten into yet. So I thought we should. Excellent, excellent. Hot toddy. Uh, picked Phenomena, I think, because uh, we did a few uh, few Argento films, and it was in my mind. And, and John Travolta's really good. Yeah, it? and I knew it would, I, it would get on Abner's nerves. So. I could change <laughs> the world. Well, I, uh, you know, I watched the LL Cool J video, Phenomena. Something <laughs> like I picked uh, I picked universe. I picked Island of Lost Souls that Eric Clapton song from 1933 I yeah very much enjoy that's one of my did you say 1983 no I didn't yeah I said uh, 33 <laughs> uh, I enjoy this movie immensely so that's why I picked it I wanted to make sure everybody had seen it so we could talk about it and since it's a Charlie Chaplin movie <laughs> Professor loved it <laughs> God <laughs> Uh, I went with a little film called Soul Survivor. Uh, I heard it um, talked about on other podcasts before and just heard it was one that was definitely worth checking out. So uh, that's why I went with it. I've had it for a while and been waiting for an excuse to watch it. And that was this. So we are going to go in reverse order of release and start with the newest, uh, which is From Beyond, Toddy. Dates and details. Uh, From Beyond, 1986, starring Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton, Ken Foray, Carolyn Purdy Gordon. Purdy. Um, and then um, directed by Stuart Gordon, obviously uh, from a story from H.P. Lovecraft, and uh, produced by Brian Yunza. Oh, yeah. So basically, uh, if you love Reanimator, you, kind, you of, uh, kind of like Reanimator done again yeah for show for show so professor this was uh your pick yes yes it was <laughs> all right we just want to dive right into it sure okay uh also want to add uh 
you know, besides the great team uh, that brought us Ray Animator that we've returned to with this, we also have uh, John Buechler as part of the special yeah. effects team on this. I didn't mention him. You up? I didn't. And uh, Richard Van doing the music again. Uh-huh. Um, it's a tie-in. I think Empire Pictures. I think this was it. an Empire Picture originally. So yeah. So right before Full Moon. Uh, yeah. Full disclosure: the original story that this comes from is about five pages long. So the majority of this film is from the group of, of guys writing it. Okay. Um, it's very, you know, just kind of set up with the story. Uh, but then we go all kinds of crazy places. Now, that's with the intention of trying to capture the spirit of Lovecraft, which has been attempted, you know, many times in films, but not very often is it achieved all that well. Stuart Gordon is, you know, the most notable for it. And this is one that kind of is chalked up on that list. Uh, the film opens with uh, two scientists who have a machine, the resonator. Um, and they are working to stimulate the, how do you, I'm trying to remember how you say it now, the pineal gland. Pineal gland. I always want to say pineal. pineal. Uh, the pineal <laughs> gland. And uh, the opening is with them you know, flipping the switch on that. And it basically, um, as we will come to learn through the film, uh, kind of intoxicates people, um, with, uh, in, you know, kind of heightened, uh, sex drives as well as, uh, viewing things kind of differently, almost with a sixth sense. Um, and so with the open, we see that machine do its work. And we also, within that are able to view creatures that are all around us at all times. We just don't see them. Right. Um, and with this, we do the one attacks, um, Jeffrey Combs and he flees. And we have our other, uh, main scientist who created the machine Pretorius, uh, who is just infatuated with it at this point, sticking around with it. We then immediately see him with no head when we return to the room. Um, and we have, we have, uh, our other scientist, uh, Jeffrey Combs is institutionalized and we have a psychiatrist come to evaluate him who is intrigued by his story, uh, as well as when they run a cat scan on him, they show the gland has enlarged in him. And so she immediately thinks there's maybe, you know, some truth to this. Uh, they team up with what you would imagine would be a whole crew of policemen uh, to deal with a guy who was part of a still an unsolved grisly homicide. Uh, but we don't. We just send him with one detective, yeah. uh, Ken Forey, who uh, was uh, the investigator for the original crime. And we head out there and we, in many ways, recreate what Reanimator has in the sense of the very isolated within the home feel um, where we proceed to let these characters play out with it. Um, The psychiatrist who starts off very repressed in what, in my opinion, is Barbara Crampton's best role she's ever had in any movie. She plays, you know, basically different characters in this film throughout. Um, She grows infatuated with it by being exposed to it. And so we kind of watch how things play out within the house I mean, do you, get, you want me to run through the whole summary here, or you guys have thoughts? Why don't we uh, do some initial impressions? History of this, had you seen it before? <clears throat> um, I'm not sure what year I watched it, but I was I was young, and I, I 
I want to say it was the scene. Uh, I might have started a little bit earlier, but it's the scene where the uh, the doctor returns and he's kind of gross at this point. Yeah. And as soon as he came in, I like I think I watched two minutes longer and was like, nope. Um, movies like this kind of terrify the shit out of me, like inner dimensions and and so stuff like this and like Evil Dead and um, I might have watched ten minutes originally and then um, it's probably a few years later before I watched it again. Um, but yeah, I was still kind of young when I, when I watched it early on. So probably, probably shouldn't have, but I did. There you go. This was my first watch. Um, I, frankly, I don't even remember ever hearing of this movie before. Uh, I got into it and started watching a little bit of a bit of it. And because it was so odd, I kind of looked it up on my phone to see like a synopsis. And then when I saw it was Lovecraftian, I was like, okay. (laughs) okay and uh i don't know i enjoyed the movie i uh i love the creature effects Mm -hmm. the practical practical effects that are in it uh i love that 80s vibe i love that far out fantasy vibe of it uh i really enjoyed it I'm i'm glad we watched it i really enjoyed it first viewing for me uh this is another one i was looking for an excuse to watch uh wanting to see it and uh, I'll be real honest, this film is uh, not high on my list. Um, you know, I'm a big reanimator fan, big bride reanimator fan. But uh, this one just didn't hit with me. Uh, I didn't hate it. Um, glad I watched it. But uh, don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Fair enough. Yeah, for me, I prefer this to any of the sequels to reanimator. I would rather watch this as a pairing with the it. bride? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah, yeah. Without question, um, I just think that it goes so well with that. The only the only thing that drops off for me is Jeffrey Combs. I don't think he is as good. Yeah, obviously, as he, he is, is in that great, very role. over the top. He, I mean, he's always kind of hammy right. and everything that he's in, but he is extremely over the top. Yeah. This and I listened to him in one of the special features where he talked about how he didn't think he was right for it. Yeah. That he even recommended to Stuart Gordon, you should have Bruce Abbott play this role because he was the victim of science in Reanimator. He is perfect for this. Uh, so while he 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 said, you know, I brought everything I had to it, and still, you know, I'm glad that fans love it. It's not something that he necessarily thinks he was the right fit for. But um, to me. To love Barbara Crampton is to love this film. This is her because she starts out as repressed, then sexy and possessed. Uh, you know, just a heroine. She she just kind of covers it all. And then for me, it's just I love the the creature effects in it more than anything. Um, which is what this this would probably be my third viewing of this film, and they still hold up for me. I mean. At the core of it, it's not a huge story, but that's all right. I mean, it's more about the slime and the fun um, that they put in it. And I think that this is the one and only time that Stuart Gordon got to make any type of a Lovecraft film with real money. This is where he had everything. He had, you know, top-of-the-line special effects people. Um, they filmed it in, I think, Italy. Oh, wow. uh, because of Empire Pictures and bands resources. And so it was interesting to hear some, some of the kind of production stories and mishaps that they had and how, like, when one of the guys got injured, 
nobody on the crew like really spoke English and this is the disasters of how with Italian films they don't care about sound while you're while you're filming because they're gonna dub it uh-huh. and so the actors kept getting infuriated because the crew's just blah 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 talking <laughs> while they're doing it because they're so used to dubbing over in post to where they talked about how bizarre of an experience that was uh, but for me th- those are just that I mean I still like reanimator better um, but I think that this is a great movie to have with it in the sense I'm glad that it exists that I can run straight into it I love the bright green and the, the bright pink and kind of the the flipping of roles for Jeffrey Combs and Crampton and it's just a really interesting film especially for those that love reanimator and I don't think necessarily that most people who have seen reanimator watch this right i think that a lot of them would get a lot out of it it's not as funny Mm -hmm. uh, but i think that a lot of the elements are still there that people would get something out of checking it out right on right on so we hit some of the high spots i i think from the get-go uh it's got kind of a a bizarre opening but then it, it it shows that it's like reanimator it's gonna be fun because um one of my favorite scenes is where the neighbor comes over to look for a dog and the nosy neighbor yeah. and and she gets up the stairs my favorite is when jeffrey combs takes off and like passes her <laughs> yeah. which if if you're in, in a house being nosy and investigating and the person that lives there is running past you to get the hell out of there like <laughs> you should probably follow suit but i love to when she calls the cops and they're like uh <laughs> Well, what's the problem, ma'am? She's like, I'm disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> you said if I had a disturbance to call you. I'm disturbed. Is there always a crazy guy jerking off? Yeah, that was before Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, there's Migs. Five years before we seen the Silence a, of the Lambs. That's just a Tuesday. <laughs> They're running through the house and he's got all those different flags. And I'm like, oh, he must be in the tea party. There's a don't tread on me flag hanging in there. <laughs> But yeah, this whole thing about the pineal gland, uh, have you guys ever read or heard much about it? Nah. It's a thing. Like yeah. it's, uh, they refer to it as the third eye, like they do in the movie. Um, it, it's, it's kind of where uh, your psychoactive, like your hallucinogenic drugs, trigger and, and are affected by your, your, you know, your, your pineal gland. And uh, uh, DMT, you guys familiar with that mm-hmm. drug? Uh, DMT is, they call it the dream drug. And so it's your body through the pineal gland naturally produces DMT. But if you take DMT, it's just, they say it's life changing as far as. Yeah, you can talk to alien architects of the world and yeah. other assorted things. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, that uh, Sturgill Simpson, Turtles All the Way Down, like that song is about drugs. And, and part of that is he used to really be into hallucinogens mm. and DMT was a big one for him so yeah this whole pineal gland all this stuff about being able to see things that maybe we normally can't perceive that are always there i mean there's a big culture there's a big cult around it joe rogan like you know yeah he's talking joe rogan is huge into dmt so it's interesting that's where i heard of it from yeah yeah other high spots i like the reappearances of pretorius and his uh evolving uh insane appearance mm-hmm. um and you know just the great line humans are such easy prey yeah and pulling off his face and his his body kind of being pliable when the hand touches mm-hmm. the shoulder uh one of one of my favorite parts of the entire movie special effects wise um is when we get down into the basement trying to get to the power 
to flip it off so that the machine can't keep running and we deal with the huge creature down there pulling him up. Yeah. And it's like, you look at that and you're like, they got money on this movie. Oh yeah. Cause the, you can tell there's a whole lot of people making that happen. Ken Borey looks like refrigerator Perry's GI Joe figure <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Boy, his, his five head is at an all time <laughs> visibility rate. We love, love you, Ken. Ken. Love <laughs> you, buddy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, and I've never read the short story, but um, I kind of feel like uh, a lot of movies were influenced probably more from, from H.P. Lovecraft than from the movie From Beyond. But like I saw a lot of like uh, more so like the Hellraiser sequel, like Hellbound. Uh, so like stuff with like Leviathan and mm-hmm. um, quite a few feel like Event Horizon. Uh, kind of like pleasure seeking and, and going to that next bound. And then that'd be a fun uh double feature event horizon and from beyond yeah um so i feel like a lot of uh and and again i'm not maybe not so much the movie as much as hp lovecraft but um there's definitely a lot of uh heavy influences on other uh film properties yeah um when uh, jeffrey combs gets his head bit by the monster he looks like uh tommy jarvis from the end of friday (laughs) four powder yes it, it meets powder right right um, I also like when the flock of bees came out of the machine oh, yeah. to attack them. Uh, getting, getting at them. <laughs> and then Jeffrey Combs develops a third eye. Yeah. Literally sticking out of his head. Which did not go over real well with the uh, the sensors. Oh, yeah. They viewed it as phallic. Yeah. Really? Hmm. Which really isn't the point. Like, they're not trying to be overly sexual with it, I don't no. think. But they weren't hearing it. Huh. Um. Yeah, I, I particularly like uh, when the, the flock of bees hit and we see Ken Vory just eating up. Oh, eating alive, man. Yeah. I like the story uh, Combs was talking about how Vory had given him such a hard time uh, with the prosthetics and things that they'd done up until then. And then Ken's trapped sitting on the floor at an angle and Combs just talking shit right over him <laughs> the whole time. Nice. Uh, but that was fun effects, too, with like the bones, the hands yeah. going up yeah. and stuff. I like. I also found it interesting, but also kind of a reach with Crampton's uh, driving reason for thinking that she can help cure schizophrenia. Yeah, I like that they at least tried to get some kind of grounded idea, sure, for, and explanation for why this extremely young psychiatrist they you know they build her up as kind of the prodigy, yeah, of her profession instead of just assuming that you're supposed to believe that this girl who's clearly really young at this point is that accomplished, right? So, but I, I, I just can't get over it, her character. I just think she's great in it. Yeah. She, uh, she really put a lot into it. I mean, at one point she's even got, you know, prosthetic hands fondling her with her clothes being tore off. Like this is yeah. not an easy role, but she owned it, man. And yeah. She, uh, in the end, uh, you know, doesn't really save the day, but she saves herself. Sure. With a kind of a crazy ending with, uh, by the time we've, we've affected Jeffrey Combs enough. He is sucking brains through eye sockets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, man, that is wild to watch him do on uh, Purdy, the one that's always in yeah. his movies, the nurse. He's got her taken. And that, he's sucking her eye out, which prevents the doctors from doing the electroshock therapy on Crampton. She flees yeah, back. Her. Uh, he chases her, and we end up for a finale at the house, uh, which. Uh, ultimately while she blows the place up, he doesn't make it out. 
yeah. he is consumed by Dr. Pretorius. Um, and she gives quite the, uh, quite the maniacal, hysterical uh, laughing as she goes out the window with the neighbors all standing there. He ate him. Yeah. Just laughing. <laughs> it's just a bonkers movie. Very uh, reminiscent of some Argento stuff. Yeah, with the hysterical the yeah, outside yeah. the burning house. So, Grizzly, what do you think about this misses for you? Can you put your finger on it? No. Okay. D- do you want to put your finger on Is it? Is it because Ted Sorrell <laughs> kind of feels like he owns a porn company? It's kind of kind of kind of creepy. Yeah, <laughs> he's pretty gross. Pretty gross. Uh, definitely uh, shades of society in this film. You know some of that body stuff, but uh, I don't know where it falls flat. I just I just feel. Um, I just feel like animator and brighter animator has more heart to say, you know, it just for me, as far as the storytelling and the, what's driving it, um, I was a little more invested in those characters. I really didn't feel invested into any of the characters in this film. I like it being a creature feature. That's what sells yeah. to me yeah. a lot. Yeah. I respect that though. Yeah. That's just, that's just me. I don't. Well, <laughs> uh, there's the door, sir. <laughs> All right. So from beyond. Moving right along to our next film, which is... Phenomena. Yes, Phenomena. Phenomena. <laughs> Phenomena. <laughs> so this <laughs> one clearly starring John Travolta. Yeah, as George O'Malley. Air Clapton, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I once bought the cassette single of that and I was embarrassed and told him it was for my mom. <laughs> I had the CD That's the whole thing. <laughs> you still own it. <laughs> yeah, so on cassette single. Phenomena. Dates so, and details. In nineteen eighty five, not starring John Travolta, but young Jennifer Conley, pre uh, Labyrinth. Um Really not sure of a lot of the other people, but obviously Donald Pleasance is uh is is probably the big name of this oh, film. I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, directed by Argento, is that right? Uh, directed and written by Dario Argento. Did you say that uh, Doctor Loomis is in this movie? Doctor Loomis is in this movie, <laughs> plus a monkey. Somebody listens to him in this one. Yeah, people heed his warnings. I knew this film was going to hit with Vinny the moment I saw that chimp on screen. <laughs> Vinny loves monkey babies. Did you go full tired when he came on? <clears throat> I love apes. I was pleased to see a chimpanzee. All right, what's next? All right, on to the next <laughs> film. Uh, Phenomena. Um, Todd, do you want to give a brief synopsis? Or should um, we do initial impressions? First? We can do it. I, was like, I feel like when I describe this movie, I feel like Stefan, so either way. <laughs> so like, it's, it's got everything. Chimps, midgets, flock of bees. It does have a flock of bees again. <laughs> Insect girl. I uh, <laughs> I had not seen this movie. I will be perfectly honest with you. I was not excited to be watching another Argento movie so soon after we did so the Mother's the Trilogy. Uh, when I saw Donald Pleasance, I was like, okay. I saw Jennifer Connelly. I was like, okay. And then I saw Chimp. And I was like, okay. And you saw Daria Nicolotti. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, I'm in? I'll give this a whirl. Um I found this movie to be much more linear and coherent Very. than the previous Argento movies that we had watched. The um, Mother's Trilogy. I won't say that I love this movie, but I was certainly pleasantly surprised 
of what I thought I was getting into after watching the other Argento movies. All right. Uh, Professor struggling on the uh, bus over getting here. Getting beers out. Uh, um, so you first, guys thought this was more coherent? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, talk, I, talk I agree. insects. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, it just seemed more linear to me. Like, it just seemed to make more sense. Okay, like, I as far you. as just the way um, the story is told. told. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's still bonkers, but it's the way the story is told, I feel, is more linear. First time gotcha. viewing for me as well. Uh, the only thing I really liked about this film was the soundtrack. Killer soundtrack. Iron Maiden. Uh, Motorhead. You know, all the all the good ones. Bill Wyman. And those stones is in there, too. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it's just another Argento movie. Um, I don't ever plan on watching it again. No, no, <laughs> that no. way. So uh, fake news. Yeah, so that's me. <laughs> uh, this was probably my third viewing, I think, maybe. Tim. Yeah. <laughs> um, I well, and I've already you know exhausted the story on on seeing Suspiria for the first time and how that kind of changed my outlook. This was one of the first movies after Suspiria of his that I saw. And I think mainly because of the American stars in it, because mm-hmm. you know, it, it's overwhelming to look at a filmography of a foreign director after you see a movie and like it, you kind of peruse through them and you're like, Ooh, this is an eighties horror movie with those two in yeah. it. I want to see that thinking I'd, you know, be able to maybe relate in as an American viewer a little bit more. Uh, not so much. Definitely not a normal movie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and another uh, just random little memory I have of it is my very first horror convention I went to. I could remember leaning over to the Grizz and pointing out that Hot Toddy, who I did not know very well at that point, who was at the convention as well, and a group of friends had on a shirt for this movie. And I thought that was just awesome. I was like, <laughs> he's got a shirt for Phenomena? That's badass because i mean this is a world i didn't know about going to these conventions yet so i that made me think of that as well but this is one of those ones where i really enjoy it um because it's just so unique but anyone who doesn't i'm not gonna argue with i totally get it like it's a bizarre movie um but i think it's it's his best work in terms of blending into fantasy He's more, he's typically more horror and, and driven by violence. And that's not the sole thing with this film Yeah, that we have kind of, we're much more centered in a young girl's experience and trying to fit in with all of these wild situations with her kind of supernatural abilities and then mixed in with almost like procedural uh, detective work with a serial killer who's killing children i mean it's it's a bizarre movie and then i mean you guys mentioned the chimp that's there and we've got uh talking with insects and we bring back the usual uh goblin for the soundtrack but then we mix in popular metal and hard Mm -hmm. rock and roll but just a little bit they didn't overdo it and make that a distraction for the movie there's a great use of that iron maiden song yeah i can't remember the name of it now is it like flash of the blade Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they use it more than once, and it's just awesome yeah. because it kind of blends that these worlds that so many fans know yeah. that typically you didn't have a popular metal band creeping into 
actual pivotal scenes in the movie right. of an Italian horror film. So for me, it's just it's unique enough to celebrate and revisit. But I can uh, I can see others not feeling the same way. Totally I texted the professor and told him I said if this movie were made today, Jennifer Connelly's role would be played by Millie Bobby Brown <laughs> from Stranger Things, yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, first time viewing for me was probably early 2000s. I was at a friend's house. Uh, I think Anger Bay probably had just released it on VHS. Um, I didn't even get to finish watching the movie, but what I saw, I really liked. Um, and I think it's just cause it's an odd movie and, uh, and the weird, um, I don't know. Argento films always have a weird atmosphere. And then like the, that blended with, uh, Jennifer Conley and Donald Pleasance and, a lot of bizarre stuff like the monkey and the insects and uh, searching for a serial killer. And um, and then the soundtrack kind of sealed the deal for me. Um, I think it was probably actually a year or two before I actually got to watch the movie completely. And then uh, uh, about a year ago it came out, I think, from uh, Synapse Films. Yeah. And uh, so I watched like the complete cut that they put presented. So... Uh, just like a two-hour plus movie, two-hour movie. Um, originally, which Grizzly was thrilled about. Which <laughs> it, it, it's it's funny because that we let on that if he would have uh, looked it up, Creepers, the original version of the U.S. release, is only like eighty-three minutes. Yeah, uh, we didn't tell him till after he watched it. Um, I hate you all. <laughs> and then like the uh, the Italian version is is like almost two hours too, but. Um, I, I don't know. I like odd movies, bizarre movies. And to me, this is one, uh, like Mother of Tears is kind of odd. To me, this one kind of feels more Suspiria, where it's like in school and uh, a girl of a fa- famous uh, father shows up and she's a foreign and, you know. She's a foreign? People hate the immigrants <laughs> and. <laughs> They're trying to build a wall around Switzerland to keep these people Flock out. of bees. Like, there's all kinds of stuff going on with this movie. Uh, do you want to give the synopsis? I felt like I did it earlier, but I was like, <laughs> uh, foreign girl shows up to a school with telekinesis powers to talk to bugs. There's little people serial killers and a monkey. All right. Nailed it. <laughs> what a treat. Just, just what a treat. Um... Well, we've already hit most of the high spots for me. Uh, basically, basically, we open the movie with a tourist getting left off of a bus. Yeah. She ultimately wanders around up to a house. She is attacked and beheaded. Yep. Um, the head is being examined. Uh, the next scene by Donald Pleasance, um, who is... Uh, I shot him six times. <laughs> he, he, uh, he helps with forensics through the study of bugs. And he's looking for a guy in a white mask (laughs) that he thinks did some murders. Death has come to your town. Yeah, he thought there were some murders in the guy that did these murders in Illinois was now in Switzerland. Yes. Um, (laughs) None of this is true, folks. (laughs) So we then go to him, and we're all that scene is basically doing is establishing his what he does as a job. We then bring in Jennifer Conley to the school. Uh, as uh, Hot Toddy mentioned, the American student, uh, we learn quickly that she suffers from sleepwalking. Uh, and while out, she witnesses uh, a murder. Murder. And which kind of, you know, instantly puts the target on her back. Yep. With that, while 
this happens, she awakens, realizes what she's seen, flees, encounters a chimp in the woods, because who doesn't? Um, which Every then... childhood dream I ever had. <laughs> but I'm trying to give a uh, a speedy version here, so if I'm leaving anything out, please speak up. But Ma- maggots talk to yeah, her. Yeah, so we, we encounter the chimp, we go back to where the chimp came from, which is Donald Pleasant's, uh, his place, and where he witnesses her interacting with insects, and he believes that she can telepathically work with them, which then leads us to the gimmick. Are you sold yet, guys? <laughs> for, for, <laughs> for, the, uh, for what it is. And so while it is goofy, it's surreal. It's, it, never, it never gets too involved in the plot, which I think saves it from the bizarre nature of it. How but, do you feel about making this exact pitch to a movie studio? <laughs> Am I in Italy in the 80s or now here? This is uh, when a lot cocaine blew heavily. So basically, the, the gimmick of the film is her interaction with the bugs and using bugs to find the killer. Because we find a glove out near where the murder happened. Within the glove... Or maggots. I can't remember the name of it. It's like uh, sarcophagus flies, something like that. Something and like that. his his point with that is is that means the killer is keeping the bodies near. If these maggots are in the glove, they're holding onto the bodies and interacting with them for that to be in the glove. Yeah, it doesn't so, and so you his theory is is be, by watching her interact with bugs, if she takes one of these flies out with her. It's going to be basically like a drug dog. And so she sets off to the area. Um, and ultimately, we kind of go bouncing around with that. We see her suffer with not fitting in at the school because of her weird abilities and these weird circumstances that are taken out. We see uh, the children tease her and her summon oh, the flies right. all over the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so... They keep yelling, plug it up at her. <laughs> I wish you cared. Um, Watching you explain this whole thing is like that meme of Charlie Day. <laughs> explain the stuff over the wall. So she takes the fly. She tracks out into the house where we opened the movie with the tourist, uh, where she encounters a real estate agent. And she flees from there because the real estate agent's kind of shady and she thinks she's in danger. Yeah. Um, and we see the detective show up who is also tracking the situation he'll be important in the ending um and basically the woman uh that took her to the school at the beginning uh played by nicolati is sent to get her and intercept her because she's trying to escape back home to america and she comes in as to say hey your father called me he wants me to help you get home safely don't come with me don't do it this way I've well, I've got the plane ticket. Let's go, and then we slowly uh, realize once she goes home with her to for the flight out in the morning, that's her. Yeah, and we learn that by her giving a sleeping pill, which she realizes is poison. She vomits up. We battle the mom. Which, we why, go. Why did she take that? She, she couldn't have just flushed it. Was it the headmistress that knocked her out from the school? Who punches her? Knocks her out. I'm trying to remember which scene you're referring to. <laughs> right after she takes the pill. This movie's so all over women. the place. Right after she takes the pill, she's on the phone without looking at her, and she's like... Burp. Yeah. Yeah, she comes up behind her. Basically... That was one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> and 
I, I mean, we don't have to drag it out anymore. She she flees from there, and we we find the pit with the bodies. Uh, we find her son, which is a victim of rape, and it is gnarly looking. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so she's got the doll. Yeah, I love that she covers all the mirrors that all could just be taken down. <laughs> don't lie though; that's a creepy scene when she goes to reach it up. Pulls yeah. it in the air. Oh, you yeah. don't know what you're getting ready yeah, to see. One yeah, of my yeah. notes says that nurse is either Dieter from Sprockets or a Robert Palmer girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, it for me, the movie is worth the price of admission for the underwater scenes where we we've the kid is trying to kill mm-hmm. Jennifer Conley as we've fled through the house and out into the water. This kid gets onto the boat with her and is trying to attack her. Ultimately, while fighting back, and then they put gets... that chain around his neck and sink him to the <laughs> yes, bottom of gets, Crystal Lake. It gets set on fire, and we've got her swimming underwater, and we've got crazy colors coming from that, which is always his strong suit filming yeah. the kind of surrealism. Colors. Um, and colors. you know, the colors. showdown is there with the detective arriving and being beheaded, and then who which, comes? What in? a decapitation, by the way. Yeah, who comes in and saves the day though? When we think all hope is lost, Benny. the ape. Boy, yeah. chimpanzee to the rescue. So that uh, that's your bizarre movie in a nutshell. All right. The only thing I can't pinpoint who's killing all the people. I thought it was the little weird boy. I thought is it was it, the chimp. Is it the little weird boy and, and the and the mom is helping cover it up? Yeah. Or he, the little boy put that little spear checker <laughs> thing and like. Yeah, it's uh, it's professor, just a... <laughs> professor lays out this very nice synopsis for us, tells us how much he likes the movie, gets to the end, and then says, "Well, I can't figure out is the plot." Who's <laughs> no, the killing? The, <laughs> the answer, not the plot, which they're not clear on. Does anybody have a clear answer? Jason <laughs> <No>. Voorhees, <laughs> okay. the so, damn, the damn Sasquatch. Yeah, I mean, one is to assume it's the kid, but we never learn why. Yeah. So that and that's my only thing is what because they can't look at a mirror. <laughs> and it was Tim, the pizza delivery guy from earlier in the movie. Um, I, that I think that's one of those moments where you hit your Italian horror, where you just kind of let that go. Oh <laughs> yeah, we talked about I mean? that before with the Giallo yeah. films. It's not about the, the the story as much as it's about the feeling. So the feeling of the isolation of her being at the school, the feeling that she can't escape. Right, that's yeah, just yeah. an afterthought. So I you just guys, it's an I just uh, can't pinpoint specifically tracking back, which they don't do in yep. Italian horror films. If you're wanting full explanations, you're not going to get them. But I, one would assume it's the child and the mother is helping facilitate that and keep him out of trouble. But eh. Or it's Michael Myers. I mean, Maybe. I mean, Loomis is there. He changed his mind. I heard that uh, that little boy, he's still out there. <laughs> <laughs> Professor is very close to uh, quitting the podcast. This has been a profound and another profound visit to Italian horror with the Midwest monsters. <laughs> this was a precursor to Friday the Thirteenth Seven. You got Carrie versus Jason. <laughs> Carrie versus Jason. Well, uh, all that I want to say that hasn't been said is uh, that nasty death pit that she falls into. Is and that is gross. That's, that's gag worthy. Yeah, that made that's, my That's the crawl. best scene in the movie for me. Well, so. besides the detective getting killed and the, the monkey killing the guy. I think what disturbed <laughs> me is when she's trying to vomit the pill up, and I was like, is this like method acting? She was just like, wow. <laughs> 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 All right, Todd, anything you want to add? I mean, 
chimps with razors. Do you have any other jabs you'd like to take at this movie to make Professor mad as hell? You know, I, oh, I'm not mad. This movie's I, uh, too weird to, to be sensitive about. I, I love this movie, but yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's weird as shit. I, it, what is terrifying to me is the thought of a chimpanzee cutting me with a razor blade. <laughs> like that. Got that face. Yeah, boy. that was like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, boy. What a treat. Just what a treat. All right. Any other thoughts on uh, Phenomena? Before we move along. All right. Moving right along to a little film called Soul Survivor. Uh, Soul Survivor, 1984. Uh, Casting crew. <laughs> do we know any of these people? I don't uh, know, do we? Tom Everhart directed it, and the same year he directed Night of the Comet. Oh, fine. Oh, this was his first movie, and Night of the Comet was his second within the same year. Nice. Um, and he also did Captain Ron. Yes. <laughs> that is a. There's a, your trifecta, asshole. That is a staple in the <laughs> Professor Wagstaff household. Oh, it is. Captain Ron, buddy. <laughs> That's not a joke. That's yeah. a. That, yeah, unless, unless I'm wrong, I don't, I don't really see any cast. It's like noteworthy. I mean, no, yeah. no offense yeah. to them. Kurt right. Johnson as Brian was in Ghost Story and The Fan. Uh, Leon. Who has a small role out on the street? What, like later, five heartbeats, Leon? You would later see him in Cool Runnings and Above the Rim. What? Um, nice. And Anita Skinner. He was Jesus in Madonna's is, video. Is uh, Denise? Is our, our lead? Denise. Not but she didn't really do her much. Brother, the nephew. Um, I uh, want to know why this movie had enough nerve to rip off Final Destination. <laughs> <laughs> so that—that's what I was going to say. Uh, for the, the the synopsis is if you've ever seen Final <laughs> Destination. Uh, this is why I chose this film is because this is cited as an influence for Final Destination. I don't know if the, the writer-director has said that this influenced him, but that's what I was always, you know, people say, oh, you, you got to see Soul Survivor. It's it's definitely where a lot of the idea for Final Destination comes from. Um, so uh, this woman is in a horrific plane crash. Everyone dies. Can, can we, can we pop, like, it was horrific Soul Survivor. Not much phased. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, yeah, you can let me pick what channel uh, not I so want. so much. Bitch. Come on. <laughs> she, yeah, so she is just that iconic shot of her sitting in the plane chair, just out in the, wherever the place crashed, you know, wherever the plane crashed, and so everybody's dead but her. She's the sole survivor. Get it? It's in the title. <laughs> which, Spoiler alert. Which was predicted. Yes, predicted by a crazy actress. Who keeps calling her and leaving her ominous <laughs> messages? Don't leave your house. Don't don't leave your doors open. <laughs> you know all these wild things. But yeah, this crazy actress predicts it. Calls uh, a guy to say, tell her not to get on the flight, and he's like, go back to bed. You're washed up. You're an alcoholic. Um, and Loser. then yeah, yeah, we'll work with you on Loser. Monday. Yeah. And so then basically it's just that it seems like death is coming to get her. Um, throughout the film, kind of like Final Destination, you know things at every turn and then there's some small twists that i really want to talk to you guys about to try and wrap our brains around so that's that's the synopsis in a nutshell um first time i've watched this film and i just told you why i picked it everybody else's first impression uh this is my second time seeing it i'd only recently seen it for the first time uh, mainly attributed to podcasts and people talking about code red putting it out and hitting blu-ray and then diabolic DVD offered it only through them initially, so it was pretty exciting when they first dropped it because it was something that they'd uh, 
got me interested in to check out. Um, and, you know, I enjoy it. It's I think it's a pretty impressive low-budget movie for the 80s. Pretty, yeah. pretty restrained and controlled. I think also, while it's certainly a... Uh, and you know insanely like the future final destination i also think it's very like carnival of souls uh it follows yeah and with seeing you know what we're seeing throughout the film um but it's it's one of those things where if you're looking for cliche 80s horror this will be a drag uh but if you are looking for a pretty creative use of resources and uh moody kind of atmospheric uh, film with a little bit more to say than the average film from that era. Uh, I think you'll be rewarded in that aspect, but I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I watched it cause Grizzly made me, <laughs> um, and actually you had, uh, Wilson had, had told me about the movie beforehand. Um, I think we saw it at a convention. Um, so I was interested. Um, it's weird that you mentioned it follows cause I definitely saw a lot of it follows and like the grudge and a few other films I felt like were influenced probably more so than final destination, to be honest. Um, other than just like the predicting somebody, you know, is going to die on a, a plane and it goes from there. Um, but yeah, I'm actually kind of enjoyed the movie. It was, uh, it felt kind of more like a Canadian or like TV movie than, a. Yeah, than okay. your conventional 80s films, yeah. but I, I still kind of enjoyed it. So, I think that the look of this movie leads you to believe that it's older than what it is. I felt that. Um, I don't know what it is about this movie. It was a big miss for me. I It absolutely could not hold my attention. I don't know what it is about it, and that doesn't happen to me very often. But I, I it was... I found this one to be a chore just to sit through, and I can't tell you why, but just nothing about it grabbed me. Nothing. Okay. We're done now. And All right. Thanks, thanks for tuning in. Um, <laughs> thanks for running everything, Vinny. Yep, you're welcome. <laughs> Skunk Would the you say you party. liked Phenomena <laughs> more than Soul Survivor? I did. Okay. I did. Because it had a monkey. I, nah, I don't I think it has to do with it. I don't know. Just I like I say, I can't pinpoint what it is about this movie that didn't grab me, but it just it really did not grab me at all. Okay. Well, um I like the line where she talks about things happening, you know, by chance or whatever, and she talks about how she got a dress at a department store and it didn't charge her card, and she's like, Oh, well, did I get lucky or what happened? And then she's like, Oh, by the way. I got charged for the thing later. Uh, computers may make a mistake, may make a mistake, but they always catch up. It's like that's very much the theme of the whole film. Right. Uh, you're right. The whole seeing dead people thing. Uh, I gathered. Uh, it's funny because I'm watching. It, I was like, "Oh, the dead people. They're the people from the flight." And Carrie says, "You just now caught that." But <laughs> <laughs> I'll clarify that they were. Uh, she was seeing dead people from the flight, not sex ghosts, like it follows. <laughs> That's the next crossover. Ghost Dad and it follows. Um, that creep in the parking garage. Yeah. Very creepy. That was a creepy scene. Very, very, very creepy. Um, yeah, so ultimately, uh, 
this is where the movie gets confusing for me and this is a spoiler alert i'm sorry it came out in 1984 for those of you listening um you get this idea that that they're after her right you know this is the whole thing but then towards the the third and in, in the third act of the movie about the beginning of that um death starts killing other people around her it kills the neighbor um it kills her boyfriend. Why is it? Why does death start killing everybody but her? Because no one can know they're there. Anyone that has had interaction that could spread any kind of word, they're suppressing that. And so, while it almost seems almost like an outbreak, they're only getting the people that she's involved, basically. Oh. Because I didn't get that until this viewing. I had the okay. same question. I was like, ah, it seems like we're kind of kind of changing the rules at the end and just picking uh, random people to kill. But it, that's why it's yeah. it's solely because of of who comes across has the misfortune of coming across their path. I see. And so, like, I you see. have the girl who sneaks out when uh, she falls asleep. Uh, yeah. Denise falls asleep. The right. young girl calls her friends. Hey, come back. We'll go to her house. Gotcha. So she implicates him because of that. Okay. Where they're playing strip poker with the underage panda boy. We met one of them. Brink Stevens is is the one there. She was like naked in every every 80s movie. Yeah. So she was there for strip poker. I recognize her because she had her top on. Yep. Uh, Before we get to the end, any other thoughts? High spots? Um, I just think it's one of those ones that it's just... uh, should be talked about a little bit more, but at, at the same time, it's not the best movie you'll ever see. No, it's not it's, a great movie. Yeah. It's just an interesting little 80s independent movie, and I think the most notable thing is how restrained it is. Like, yeah. they're still trying to make a horror movie and be creepy, but in a decade that was all about, you know, being excessive, gratuitous with everything, there's really not much of that in this. Yeah. They don't rely on the usual crutches that horror films did by 1984, even. Right. So... That's what I think's more more interesting about it. I always go back to Val Luton. Right. The less is more and restrained and mood uh, approach. And I think that this one does that pretty good. And it's when you think about it, for that to be the first time film for a director is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. So it it's, it's definitely. do something as awesome as Night of the Comet. Yeah, it's totally worth a watch. Yeah. I had uh, never heard of this movie until about a year ago. Less than that, really. So, uh, but I, I, would th- say, I think it deserves more than than, yeah. than being obscure. Um, I mean, obviously from '84, I'm sure it got drowned out by like Nightmare on Elm Street and, sure. and other films. But I I think it deserves more than like people not knowing about it. Right. But is it the best of the decade? No. But I thought for what it was, there's a lot of like really awesome scenes, and it's definitely worth watching. Um, like the opening scene with the little girl that's the little ghost girl and. I don't know. I, her, she somehow makes the the truck gonna run over the yeah the lady. I feel like honestly for this podcast, a lot of every movie we watched, I'm like, you dumb ass. Like, why are you doing this? But that's a lot of horror films. And any other thoughts, Vinny? Before we wrap it up, nope. All right, Big I just fan. would say that for a, a new generation of <laughs> if it had fans, a chimp, would you have liked it better? Just depends on what that chimp. What if the chimp was? What if the chimp was the sole survivor? (laughs) Ooh, now we're talking. For a future generation of horror fans to know microwave massacre more than this is silly. Like, there's so many shitty movies from this decade that people love and worship. 
give this one a try. It's certainly not going to be even in your top 20 for the decade, but it's a solid little independent film. And oh, yeah. totally worth at least, you know, checking out once. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it just ends with the, the crazy lady, the psychic one. Uh, she pretty much decides to end it all, and she kills herself. Which is crazy because she had done it days before. Yeah. She's got the wounds on her arm that we see after firing the gun. Yeah. And then gets our <clears throat> protagonist. Which was kind of surprising. Yeah, absolutely a big surprise. It's uh, it's really kind of a, a, a downer when the whole move, point of the movie is taking a look at survivor's guilt and what this girl, you know, went through and has ahead of her. And then we shoot her. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but so. still, an interesting one. And certainly for fans of the movies we mentioned, if you're really interested in Final Destinations, Carnival of Souls, It Follows, sure. check this out. Absolutely. This is this is definitely good foundational work. All right. Round and third and heading home. What's our uh, final film here? Island of Lost Souls, 1933. What you got, Hot Toddy? I have 32. Is it 33 or 32? Is it two? It's 32. Uh, 32, uh, Charles Lawton. Lawton. Mm-hmm. Lawton. What? Excuse me. Correct me. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> ah. uh, of course, Bella Lugosi. Um, Leela Himes, who we know from Freaks. Yes. I, I sadly had to ask if Dr. Moreau was played by the... Cowardly Lion from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Bert Lahr. <laughs> That's funny. Um, honestly, I'm not familiar with a lot of the actors other than like like the the Dr. Moreau and uh, Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Uh, director Earl C. Kenton also did Ghost of Frankenstein, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, and The Cat Creeps. So he had some uh, some future horror hits ahead of him as well. Cinematographer Carl Struss, who had an incredible 40 year career. Yeah. Um, he the did, thing that I find, sorry, I was going to say he did Jekyll the year before. And so this is kind of bringing back some of that for, with Paramount as well as sign of the cross earlier in the year, which was a huge success and very racy. And so we've got Charles Lawton from that. We've got the cinematographer. Um, and so he, he, I think he won, um, he split the Oscar, uh, in the, the first Oscar for cinematography for the movie sunrise was which F.W. Murnau did uh, in 27. They split the Oscars, like I think, on a lot of them. Oh, wow. Um, so this was an award-winning cinematographer. And the reason I mention that is not for pointless trivia, but it's a theme in this film that's interesting for fans of horror films. It was legit. This was taken seriously when this oh, came yeah. out. Oh, Th- yeah. This was meant to be the horror film to end all horror films. Well, and also money and the craft of it, the talent in it was top shelf. Uh-huh. Jekyll had won Oscars the year before. The studios are strictly trying to take classic literature and put them into horror films and make effective movies. Because that be Dracula celebrated. had done well. Frankenstein had done well. Which yep. Jekyll and Hyde had done well. Yep. I, I, I was saying, I never realized yeah, this is 32, that 31, 32 was like, a ton of like like Dracula and freaks mm-hmm. and and the, and Jack on Hyde and it was kind of like our our uh, like eighty eight or nineteen eighty one yeah and I guess before we get into it do we want to do a brief overview of the story before we get into the 
It's up to you guys. The movie itself. However you want. The synopsis or our initial impression? Uh, uh, either one. What do you want to do first? Brief uh, overview. Opinions, like okay, experience with the opinion. film. Sure, sure, sure. My first time watching it. Sorry, we're getting all nervous. Uh, I've seen this movie. Uh, uh, First time viewing. Uh, I am a big fan of the Dr. Moreau story. Uh, I'm one of the weirdos that actually likes the the film with Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. I knew I'd meet you. (laughs) You like it Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Oh. I also, I really, I more so enjoy the documentary about the making of that film. Yes, that's very good. It's as weird as the story itself. But no, I just always like the Dr. Moreau story. I like H.G. Wells um, and a lot of his storytelling. This was H.G. Wells, right? Yep. Okay. Okay. Make sure I'm not crazy. Uh, Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had fun with this movie. It was good. I don't even know how many times I've seen this. This is one of those ones in, in my household with my dad. You know, just seen a lot. Uh, 30s horror especially was always always big uh, with me and him. Um, so it's it's one that I've seen numerous times. It's not my favorite horror film of the 30s, but I will say I think it's, it is by far, and it's not even close, the most underappreciated horror film of the 30s. I agree with that. Um, and so I think that there's much to celebrate in it, um, mainly uh, the, the, the special effects that we've put on the creatures on the island. Um, as Rick Baker points out in one of the special features, he, he asked the question, he's like, has there been a film with more people in that level of, of detailed yeah. work ever besides the wizard of Oz? And I can't think of one. I mean, you've got people to be filmed 30 feet sure. away, but how many people do you have with detailed, right. you know, each person, facial creations on each person for a film that's, and that's unheard of because if you even go up a few years, Hollywood started to distance themselves. Oh yeah, and so it's this weird, charming little spot in pre-code cinema where it wasn't taboo. It was actually embraced, and we threw money and talent at it. So I think for those reasons, uh, this is worth anyone's time who's who's interested in learning a little bit more. uh, You know, some of the history of 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 horror. Obviously, it's not going to scare you like something made a year ago will, Um, but. If you have the interest, this is, I think, a very rewarding film. Would, would you say it's the bee's knees? Yeah. <laughs> would you say it's the flock of bee's knees? Yes. Oh, kill yes. What? Uh, I hate saying this. First time viewing. I don't think I really associated this movie with Dr. Moreau because of the title. Um, hmm. So, like, when I, like, even looking it up, I'm like, why do I keep seeing Dr. Moreau pop up? And then I was like, uh, so, you know, which, the, it was based on the book, and then they they retitled the film. Um, at first, uh, I thought the special effects were cool, but at the same time, I felt like I'm like that's just me with my shirt off. Like they got <laughs> they got a hairy back and a little wolf boy. Um, I am. Um, it's really weird that I have never watched this movie because I like. I really don't care what time period a movie comes from, so. Um, and I, I I do think it's it's not scary watching now, but I think it's unfair when people watch things like this and they discredit it because um, just looking up a couple things about the movie, it was banned because I was curious. Oh, yeah. I knew Freaks was banned. I haven't heard much about this. Those one. two movies are closely talked about together in circles too. Island Dog Room Freaks. This so one and upset I, a lot of people. Th- this one seemed like uh and I Freaks was well done too, so I'm not putting it down. But this one seemed like a higher budget. Exactly. And it was, was. Par- It was a Paramount film. 
Um, but Todd, Todd Browning was still they, having they trouble had to do with, stuff on this one. <laughs> yeah, Todd Browning was still having trouble. I think directing talkies at this point, making the transition to talking films yeah. with freaks, and so that's another reason why I think that uh, Watch Mark Island of the Lost Souls was done. But yeah. uh, one one of the things I read Wrong. about was a lot of uh, a lot of audience members would like leave and like just vomit uh, from the sights <laughs> that they saw. And then if you think about it, like. You know, even, uh, you know, it, I guess it would be the last podcast was Mother's Day. Uh, we talked about how, you know, at this point, we, we've saw 10 years of torture porn that, that you get immune to it. The same way, like, you know, this is early on. Like, you know, this is this is new to audiences. People don't have television at home. They, you know, they're not seeing these makeup effects every day. And, and like, so, you know, may, maybe you read the book, but um, you know, I could see why this would be shocking to audiences of the time. Um. I will say the the movie there's like a formula of the 30s where it's a lot of uh maybe a love interest that's not needed but they, like a lot of these films feel the same so like King Kong and um Dracula to an extent um it felt a little bit like freaks but I actually really enjoyed the movie um the only other version I've ever seen has been the the 90s remake with Val Kilmer and Brando which I did like for what it was um I've never seen the documentary which I'm interested in because I mean, when you when you do watch the 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 '90s remake, you could tell that that's probably not what they intended to put on the screen. But oh yeah, um, I think the documentary is called Island of Lost Souls. Is it? Yeah. Well, thanks for pointing that out. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, those are my initial thoughts. And uh, other than um, you know, it's probably one of the bigger movies that I've I've. It's weird that I've never you know I'd never seen Freaks either. I guess till the podcast, but. I feel like Dracula and like all those films, there's some sequels I had never seen, but I feel like for the most part I've seen like the uh, the essential movies. But criminally underappreciated. Nothing against you. That's the whole point. It's yeah. not talked about, yeah. and it's yeah. every bit as good as so many of its. Peers. Absolutely, I I love this movie. Uh, <clears throat> I love the Doctor Moreau story. Um, I'll watch any version of it out there at least one time. Uh, How many times has this, has this been done? Ten, three, but they. There's talk that there were some previous works, like or some foreign works. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like all three for different reasons, but I don't feel like any has gotten it absolutely right. And I think of the three, Island of Lost Souls is the best. Still the best. The best out of them. Um, Although I haven't seen the '77 one with Burt Lancaster. It's not bad, but it's not as good. It just yeah. is that just one actually called Island good. of Doctor Moreau. I believe so. Yeah. The other two are actually called The Island of Dr. Moreau. So brief synopsis for the listeners if they've never been exposed to the story. Uh, a man finds his way to an island uh, different ways each time, uh, movie-wise. Uh, but a man finds his way to this island that is ran by this Dr. Moreau. And he's been conducting experiments when, where he is trying to crossbreed uh, humans and animals. And uh, he has successfully done so, but he just can't get rid of the wildness of the animal people. So he's trying to teach them not to eat meat and to not walk on four legs and all these different things that we'll talk about is the law, you know, uh, which Bela Lugosi does a great job of uh, recounting. Um, and then, uh, as you can imagine, I know it's a stretch. Things go haywire. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, Dr. Moreau 
meets his demise and uh, our protagonist uh, escapes the island by any means necessary. Yeah, spoiler alert, uh, playing God in cinema typically doesn't end well for you. Weird, right? What I find the most astounding about this movie is there is no makeup credit given, which is just a mind blow. As much work as went into that to not be credited. I think it was Greg Nicotero. (laughs) (laughs) Get out. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's hit some high spots. Um, high spots. Well, for starters, this, the close-up work with, with the camera, which is what Struss was great for, is particularly utilized just incredibly in this because you get the close-ups of the makeup where it still doesn't weaken. At all. The Tip makeup it, yeah. still looks great up and close. We, we did this stuff with a lot of the lighting changes and the, and the gel switches and Jekyll. They did a lot of trick work in this um, that still holds up uh, incredibly well. I think uh, outside of Son of Frankenstein, this has some of the best moments for Lugosi uh, with him impassioned down in the crowd. And, uh, you know, on a side note, he was already in rough times. He had filed for bankruptcy that year. The historian, uh, Greg Mag, that does the commentary, talks Mm -hmm. about that because he wrote the biography on he and Karloff. Um, and talked about how he was so generous with his wealth from Dracula that he'd already squandered it Bella and Lug- took this at rate. He worked for, he did this whole movie. Bella Lugosi did for $850. Panther woman who <laughs> was a winner of a contest that was ran across America. Over 60,000 women entered acting like cats to she try and get it, to <laughs> try and enter Hollywood that way. She won. She got paid a thousand something. Wow. So she made more than Bella at that yeah. point. I noticed the box and in many many advertisements for it, the actress isn't even billed. It's it's Anne starring. She was absolutely in the credits, absolutely yeah. billed yep. as the Panther. That never really took off for her, but she did have a moment there. But I do want to. She that, was good. Yeah, she and was. I, but I, which so was Lagosi, which is what I want to point out here because he people like to joke about all the shitty movies he made later. That guy showed up and worked. No matter what movie it was on. Yep. And as a, a permanent fan of his, I like to stress that. He wasn't even making as much as the Panther Woman. The yeah. contest winner. And he's out there stealing scenes and yeah. giving it his all. This is a guy who was a star and had, on the had stage and billing. the year before. Like he had billing alongside Lawton right. for this movie. And has already been relegated to the supporting cast. And he gives it his all. And he still did in a lot of those shitty movies later. Yep. And so I think that this is a great exercise in seeing that he, he had the chops. Yeah. He just didn't have the best path and decision-making at yeah. times. But this is one of the high points for a smaller role for him. Um, but uh, for me, what, what lifts this movie past the cool, typical things with a horror movie is Lawton. Lawton oh, yeah. is wonderful <laughs> in this. He, he, even down to when they've got him on his own table. And him paying his own price, he's giggling. You can hear a giggle in his screams. Yeah, because he is so demented. He's a creep. Yeah, and so he's he does just the the just unorthodox at all times. Like he'll when he's talking, he'll lay up on the table and flop his legs over and cross him, which was very effeminate. That was not common. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because his I hate saying anything pose. on the show. 
But I was like, as soon as he came on, I was like, Dr. Murrow, fabulous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he just, he owns this role. He's got, uh, he, he went for a satanic look with the goatee. There's great uh, filming with him. One of my favorite shots in the movie is him leaning on what looks like a cross that's upside mm-hmm. down. They don't, they're not overt with it. And it's not the point of the scene, but it's there. And it's, it's just, it's wonderful. The he, lighting on this movie changed, is something else too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lawton, this movie wouldn't be what it is without Lawton. And the shadow, the use of shadow, and the mood, overall mm-hmm. mood of this movie is incredible. When you go out to start photography and there's fog, that's actual yeah, fog. Yeah, when they're loading the boat. They're outside uh, Catalina Island, which is where this is filmed, uh, which is where you're seeing that. Like when they dock, when they first get to the island, right in that area is where Natalie Wood drowned. Like, oh, wow. so this is, it's an interesting place. They didn't go to somewhere far and exotic and they're not doing it on a back lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's interesting to see them film a lot of that stuff early on, on location. I think most of the jungle stuff and on the Island is on Warner brothers or one of those back lots mm-hmm. there at that point. I can't remember which one, but you mean tell me this was filmed on Catalina and they didn't have a wine mixer. <laughs> I dude, I could see you over there. Just trying, you were just waiting for that. I knew it. <laughs> I'm sorry I made you wait. Uh, but that's um th- those are some high bu- high spots for me. I love the House of Pain. Yeah. Um I love Awesome rap group. Yeah. Damn, when the animals are jumping around. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, I hate everything. <laughs> um just kidding. So another one of my favorite moments and I think that really pulls from the pre-code era is when we realize that, is it Lada? Loda? Loda. Loda is attracted to him. Yeah, when, when that, that's another big subject on why it was so looked down upon and why it was banned and why it was edited so heavily on releases. Because you've got a Dr. Moreau, because the character of Loda doesn't exist in the book. Right. It was created for the, for the screen. And his whole point is to get see if she can reproduce, because... In these movies, and in, and in the in the uh, original book, uh, Moreau creates these human creatures through vivisection, through surgery. There's no gene splicing, because, I mean, it was before any of that was thought of. So Moreau in the book and in this movie creates these creatures solely by doing surgeries on them and stretching their body parts out and building voice boxes and things for them. Like, it's all done through vivisection. And which is pretty horrific, you know. Sure. And so now, so basically, you're inferring bestiality, right? With this panther woman and this guy, and you know, he makes that says that one line later. He says he's already atta- attracted. Uh, boredom. What does he say? Time and monotony will do the rest. Yeah. Yeah. And then when old boy's fiance finds him on the island and shows up, he gets a smirk when he sees one of his beast men ogling her, and he says. Well, maybe I won't need Loda after all. Yeah. Like he's and yeah, straight those are the encourages two because, straight encourages this creature right. to go rape her. Yeah, it's inferred that he sends her up sends, and sends up it up her, to yeah. her room at night. And those are the two scenes that got this thing and banned you're all thinking over 32, different spots. Yeah. And then just it's funny to because I watched the Criterion edition and it, and it has, you know, bonus features. And, it was, and, and as I was watching the uh, commentary, the commentator keeps bringing up. Well, this part was cut out in the release in Australia. 
well, this part was cut out here. I don't know what could have been left of this movie when they showed it. Yeah. I mean, just hacked to bits because it was extremely controversial at the time. Mm-hmm. I think um, something, whether you've seen the films or not, it's 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 heavily influenced into like The Simpsons and and other films and oh, everything. Um, I mean, obviously, like I don't I don't know about the '70s remake, but I'm I'm sure the the Val Kilmer one is where South Park gets the. The doctor and the oh the little mini person yeah. oh yeah and there but, was a little mini person in this one too a little pig guy yeah yeah and there was the uh, Danny Trejo playing that uh, dog <laughs> creature at the beginning <laughs> um, something I never really and I, again just kind of looking at a couple things from the time period it came out that probably just never thought about but thirty two uh, that they, they kind of mentioned a couple times about the tribal people and how uh, trying to tame them and considering that it's a time where you know, we're we're coming out of slavery as a country, and and you know, people's trying to like, just kind of like work and live, and and we're not, we're obviously still part of a segregation is is not a huge thing at our time point, but uh, I don't know. I kind of felt like the film, like a couple of the guys that looked uh, kind of like had some ethnic noses and stuff, had even more uh, like prosthetics put over their faces, and yeah, that's a cool thing too, is they cast people with odd facial features too for these mm-hmm. for these characters and really worked mass yeah. and things and features around them yes but I, I find it weird um you think about a lot of our classic monster movies they're not necessarily like freddy where it's this horrible person that that murders kids and and, yeah. and, and whatever he does with them uh depending on the versions you watch uh but a lot of the monsters were just disfigured people mm-hmm. that were just trying to be a part of society so kind of like really there's the, – the monsters of this movie are the same. It's not really monsters. It's the – to me, the monster would be the doctor. Would be Dr. Yes. Moreau. Yep. You know, and it turns out the monsters were the humans. <laughs> uh, some of the high spots for me. Um, I love uh, – who's, who's old boy that gets left on the island? What's his name? Remember. Oh, shit. How, I'm – Anyways, I, I just love the character's name. How the captain of the ship hits him with a two punch combo and throws him over. Oh, the ship. Jimmy Kimmel's dad! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just pops him twice in the mouth and yeah. steals on him. I was like, buddy, you're not better be worried about lawsuits. <laughs> you broke that poor man's that, neck. Yeah, the throw. <laughs> Dude, speaking of, we'll come back to you, your other points here, but the the aerial shot above, you probably heard it if you listen to the commentary when Lawton is down there with him on the boat by the cages of animals. The tiger reached out to one of the beast men and took their arm Snagged off of the socket. In real life? Yeah. yeah. Like with what you're watching when they're down there they're filming. Standing next standing to it to and there's, there's all those animals in the cages. And the, the uh, tiger is able to slip its paw through the bars wow. and catch him. Yeah. And Lawton didn't recover like emotionally from that. He said that he, they said he said he never would go to a zoo again after that. Not wow. a, don't go to Cincinnati. <laughs> R.I.P. Harambe's. R.I.P. Harambe. Uh, other high spots. Um, I, I really just love the recitation of the law. Uh, yeah. What is the law? What is the law? Lugosi is absolutely fantastic in this movie. And, and that, again, it upsets me that this film isn't more highly regarded. It's not ever mentioned in the same breath as Frankenstein mm-hmm. or anything. like. And it absolutely should Maybe. be. And Lugosi should get more recognition. If we start movie. pointing out that the director of Night of the Hunter is Dr. Moreau. Maybe people will start <laughs> celebrating it more then. Could it, could it be that, you know, Charles Lawton directed Night of the Hunter. 
I noticed uh, the the version I watched it started out with Universal, but it's it's a Paramount film. Mm-hmm. We all know that Paramount, even though they make a shit ton of money on four films like Friday the Thirteenth, they're not proud of them. No, and and I, I wonder like Universal it was proud of of their legacy. Yeah, and I wonder if that plays a part with uh how this movie isn't as popular as like Dracula and well, and it was just embroiled in controversy from its release. Um, some other high points. Yeah, uh, I love the giant asparagus that's growing outside of his home, <laughs> size of a palm tree. Uh, I want to say I want to go on record to saying that Doctor Moreau, I'm pretty sure, definitely diddled these animal people. He was just that weird and creepy. <laughs> At least the men. <laughs> definitely. Well, the notice men. they were all men he created except Loda. Uh, lots of punching in this movie, and that really got me hyped. Yes, <laughs> getting punched left and right. Island of catching hands. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Uh, but I think, you know, as we've just talked about how great Lugosi is in this movie, um, I love at the end when things are turning south and the, the animal people are going feral and he yes. goes, part man, part beast. Yes. And that's when they start going nuts. And we really should point out why that happens because they basically turn on him immediately when he calls for blood. Yeah. Because he's been like, training you them. You gave us the law. Right. Yeah. He's been setting the law and expecting them to live hey, by tell it. tell me, spill blood. Yeah. And when he doesn't adhere to that, it's like, ah, well, no, you're in deep shit. It's anarchy now. I also feel like we should mention that uh, Wally Westmore is is now credited with who created the various monster makeups. And we should also point out Charles Gamora. Is in the ape suit He's on in the, the boat, ape suit, and, and they, he will be in many movies when we cover an ape episode later. Yeah, he was. And the, they he all, had the best suit. I believe they also were crediting him with uh, probably a lot of the hair work that was done. Yeah, because that's he was what he created his suit with. Yeah. yeah, but he'll he'll be somebody we we revisit if we're if we do. A if you ape if you are so inclined, uh, looking up the production stills online of makeup tests. Are a lot of fun. Oh, for they're this cool. Movie. Yeah, yeah, they're really All the close-ups. Yeah. yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on just, Island of Lost Souls? Just if you're interested in older horror, put this on your list. Yeah. It's important to remember Universal was more about uh, the cre- sympathy for the creature, gothic horrors. Paramount was big on sexy and violent. Mm-hmm. And so you get very different types of films coming from these studios. And this is one um, that isn't mentioned anywhere near enough. This mm-hmm. should be celebrated. Um, so be a part of that. Watch it. It's buy so it. good. For sure. All right, folks. Well, thanks for sticking with us through another edition of the Monster Mash. I want to remind you before we wrap up here, do us a favor. Hop on iTunes and uh, give us a rating, at least. Uh, give us a rating. Hop on. Give us a five-star rating if you're so inclined. And write a review. It helps us out. It gets us exposure. Um we just love sharing uh, about one of our favorite hobbies, and that's watching and discussing horror films. And so we wanted to do that with more people, and by uh, rating and reviewing our show, it will help spread the good word about the Midwest Monsters podcast. So we appreciate all of you that listen, and we look forward to uh, chatting with you more. Get on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, interact with us. We're always glad to talk horror with you. So that being said, I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, joined by Professor Wagstaff. Hi, Toddy. Venomous Benny. Stay scary, my friends. What is the law?